Thank you for listening to the Bend ICOC podcast. Uh, but we, we are extremely humbled to be a part of that mission team, to be able to serve the church in Bend, and to be able to serve the church here. Maddie and I were put on staff here uh, just last fall, so we literally work for you guys, and anything you ever need, let us know. Uh, that's our job. Yeah. Uh, my wife had a scripture to share um, from First Chronicles, right? Yes. Um, so I just finished reading First Chronicles, and the scripture that I came across um, just seemed really, really apropos for what we're doing today. So it's in First Chronicles, chapter 29, and um, I'm going to read um, a good part of David's prayer. So it's talking about David's prayer and the building of the temple. It says, First um, Chronicles 29, in verse 10, it says, blessed are you, God of Israel, our father. Oh, I'm also reading from the message. So blessed are you, God of Israel, our father from old and forever to you. O God, belong the greatness and the might, the glory, the victory, the majesty, the splendor. Yes, everything in heaven, everything on earth, the kingdom is all yours. You've raised yourself high over all riches and glory come from you. Your ruler over all you hold strength and power in the palm of your hand to build up and strengthen all. And here we are, O God, our God, giving thanks to you, praising your splendid name. But me, who am I? And who are these my people that we should presume to be giving something to you? Everything comes from you. All we're doing is giving back what we've been given from your generous hand. As far as you're concerned, we are homeless, shiftless wanderers like our ancestors. Our lives mere shadows, hardly anything to us. God, our God, all these materials, these piles of stuff for building a house of worship for you, honoring your name, it all came from you. It was all yours in the first place. I know, dear God, that you care nothing for the surface. You want us, our true selves. And so I have given from the heart, honestly and happily. And now see all the things and see all these people doing the same, giving freely, willingly. What a joy. Oh God, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this generous spirit alive forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. So I loved this verse, just thinking about us raising money for special missions, that all of this is from God, that we're simply giving back into his hand for him to give, honestly, right back to us. Mm. Um, And just the heart of it, the heart of the giving, um, how it talks about giving happily and freely. I love that. Um, and then it says, I pray that you keep this generous spirit alive forever. That that I really do feel is the spirit in the room today of just a generous, happily, freely given spirit, whether it's our affection for one another, whether it's um, anything, you know, our singing, our worship for God, um, our finances for the mission team, it just feels so generous today. Um, and this really is just us building up our family here, what we, as we've done in Corvallis and Salem and Bend. Um, so I just want to thank you guys for what so many people have just done, for giving back to God what has already been given to us. Amen. Amen. With that, let's uh, go to God for a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, I, I just want to thank you for all that you do give us, God. It, it's so humbling. Um, I pray that we can come to you this morning, that we can we can turn to you, God. Our hearts can be open to you, collectively as a church and as individuals. Mm-hmm. God, I, you know, I, I pray that, um, Lord, that you're here with us, you're here at this sermon, that you calm any nerves that we may have. 
Lord, we love you. We love your son for dying on the cross. Jesus, we love you more than life itself. Help us to respond to that with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And this is the Mays family. <laughs> Amen. Today, we're going to be talking uh, about closeness with God. Uh, what does it mean to know God and to know yourself, and how does that affect your life? So we're turning over to Exodus 33. We're touching on it in the Old Testament, and then we're going to ramp it up in the New Testament. Exodus 33. And uh, I'll pick around a couple of verses, actually, in 32 to kind of give us some context. Uh, Exodus 32, verse 30, pulling a couple of verses out of here for context. It says, The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. So these chosen people of God, supposed to be closer to God than anyone else on the planet suddenly have fallen into sin. And what do you do that? What do they do with that? How do you still feel close to God? That brings us to chapter 33. God says to Moses in, in verse 2, I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Ammonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. That's pretty intense, right? Yeah. At the same time, it's kind of a good news, bad news scenario. Um, and this happens all the time in our lives. God's saying, hey, victory is assured right here for you, Moses. You know, I'm going to send an angel. You can have the promised land flowing with milk and honey, everything you've ever wanted. But you guys are so sinful, I feel like I'm going to kill you if I'm putting up with you every day. You know? <laughs> Uh, so I better not go with you. <laughs> How do you respond to that one, you know? Um, yeah, I, I probably do deserve death. But uh, Let's go up to verse 11. You know, it says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. A again, it it's hard to imagine how close Moses was with God. And yet God's talking about departing from him, leaving him, sending him on his way. Uh, let's drop down to verse 13. Moses says, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? You know, Moses' response to God saying, I might kill you, is teach me more so that I can be upright, so that I won't fall into sin. Help me with your word, Lord. In us in modern day, you know, essentially that's God saying, hey, I'll give you the dream job. I'll let you travel the planet. Milk and honey, go anywhere you want. I'll, I'll give you victory. I'll give you blessings. I'll, I'll even give you forgiveness. I know you fell into sin, but you're forgiven. You have salvation just that, that quiet time thing that we do every day where you read your Bible and you pray to me and confess, that, that's kind of awkward and we don't need to do that anymore. How would you respond to that? Would you take that deal or would you say, no, God, I want to be with you every day of my life in the good times and the bad? That's Moses' heart back here, even in the Old Testament. Honey, did you want to add on to that? 
Well, I just, I like what you said that, um, it says that God spoke to Moses face to face as if he was a friend. Um, I think that's really powerful, their relationship. Awesome. Yeah, it says in 1 Corinthians that, you know, we under the new covenant, we have a greater opportunity, a greater covenant, a greater revelation, greater opportunity to have a relationship with God than Moses had. He spoke to God face to face. So imagine what God can do for us. All right. Yep. Um, so if you guys would turn over with me to Isaiah, um, chapter 43. This is my favorite scripture. Um, Um, chapter 43, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> it says, I may get choked up because I always do when I read the scripture. Um, says, <clears throat> verse 1, But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Sorry. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you. I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. So do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. And the scripture goes on and continues to be amazing. But this, the thing that stands out to me the most about this is that he makes um, some pretty prominent promises in this scripture. Um, he, first of all, he says, you know, I formed you. I have created you. Don't be afraid. Um, because I've redeemed you, but he says, when, a lot. He says, when you pass through the waters, when you pass through the rivers, and when you walk through the fire. God is promising that we will go through trials. We will feel the heat of the flames. We will feel overwhelmed. We will feel like the water is rising up around our necks. But he also makes a promise in that, that he says, I will be with you in all of that. And I think that both of those guarantees are really powerful. So in those, honestly, I've been feeling that a lot this weekend. It's kind of been a rough, anxiety-filled weekend for me. Um, so this, I just really felt compelled to share. But in that, I just always have to ask myself, when I feel the water rising up, who do I naturally want to turn to first? And in my natural tendencies, I want to turn towards people that are like the comforts in my life, like my parents or Rocky or my husband or like specific people around me that are like, that just help me to feel comforted, which is not a bad thing. But I have to really fight for the first person to be God, to turn to him because he's there with me. But I have to choose to look to him and to seek him in that. Um, and the title for this is Israel's Only Savior. 
I love that because God's saying, yes, I promise you will go through hard times. You will go through a testing of your faith, but I also promise that I will be with you and I am the only one who can save you. Your family cannot save you. Yeah. Your friends, your husband cannot save you. Only I can save you. Um, but when we see those times approaching and we see when we see fire ahead, are we willing to walk in there when we know that God is leading us there? Are we willing to walk in to the deep waters um, when God is, when we know that God is leading us into that? Are we willing? Because if we know, if we're, if we know that we're not going alone, then we should be willing. So I just want to share a couple of examples of why we feel like God is calling us to go to Bend. Um, so I'll try to be brief with these because they're all really powerful in our life. But um, so we have a lot of really freaky connections to Bend that I can't really explain. Um, so first of all, I've grown up going there. My family used to own a house out there when we were, when Joey was, when we were both freshmen at the U of O, we went on a campus retreat out there before he was a disciple. Um, and that's where he really where it clicked for him. That's where he decided to become a disciple and get baptized was when we were in there, over in Bend, away from whatever yep. reason. We were also engaged. We got engaged in Bend with our family there. Um, we have been through a lot over the last few years with some church transition, and um, both of us were kind of feeling disconnected with what, it, what does God really want for us. I was very interested in going into ministry for a long time and felt really burned by what I thought that meant, and he felt newly inspired, like, wow, this church is amazing. If this is what it looks like to be in the ministry, I want to do that. Um, and so both of us for a while had been praying really specifically about wanting to do something great for God, wanting to step out on faith. And for whatever reason, he really put Ben on our hearts, which didn't make sense because his family was in Portland. My family's here. He, he has a cinema degree, which... You, like you're, if you're gonna pick one city in Oregon to do cinema, it's Portland. It's not Eugene. It's not Bend. Um, it just doesn't really make sense. Um, but there's all these reasons, like why, why that? But we just felt this calling to, and we, so we were both praying about going to Bend. But at that time, this was in October. There was a, a house church planting out there where our sister Amy was there, and people had moved back from that. And so we were feeling really confused, like why do we feel this need to move there? when people just left. Like, I don't, that doesn't make sense, God, but we want to. And then this was a Thursday. Saturday, we went to a marriage retreat, and um, it, which was also in Bend, and Kelly and Cheryl um, asked us to go for a walk, asked us if we would be willing to start a house church in Bend, like two days later. And so we both wow. looked at each other like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like wow. we, we, this God just put this on our hearts that we want to do this. Yeah. So that was a huge, um, like flashing neon light, like this is what I want for you. Um, and then also just the last thing I'll share is that um, since then we've been working on building a mission team to go out there and start a church. And uh, we recently had this retreat for the mission team in Bend. And we were on the last night there, we were all having dinner together and Amy was there and um, we were at McMinniman's and we get this call from Kelly and Cheryl that there's this family that wants to move to Bend. And it was such an answered prayer because many of you had fasted for us in July to find a shepherding couple to want to move out there with us. And, um, yeah. sorry, so, um, so we're with this entire group of missionaries that want to move out there, having dinner, laughing, enjoying each other, praying. 
And then Joey gets this call and I was like, Amy, I have to tell you something. So I like pulled her aside. We both just like burst into tears. And um, so then we got to announce that to the team that there's this family that wants to move out there and, and be a shepherding couple for us and their kids and, and lay their lives down as well. And all of us girls, of course, are crying. Um, Not me, though. <laughs> yeah. It was me. It was an ugly cry. But it was, it was just yet another, um, like, a wow moment. Like, God, yes, you yes. want us here. I can't explain. There's a lot more I could tell you. I won't go into it. But there was just one, one more reason. Like, God, you want us here. And it was that feeling that so many people went, okay, God obviously wants this to happen. And it was like, I, I want to get on board. Like, I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. So that's my crisis. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know. And one thing we've learned through, well, many things we've learned through all of that, but also from looking at Moses's life is more important than God giving you victory, more important than forgiveness, more important than God blessing you is being close with God, having that relationship with him, that intimacy, knowing God, and being known by God. But the rest of our lesson is going to be over in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, seeing what happens when it, it, it's not milk and honey type of a deal, it's actually a, a persecution type of a deal. Will you still follow me in spite of this? And a little bit of context we know from Acts 17, the church in Thessalonica, Paul visited there. And then went on to Berea because the persecution was so intense. They were only able to be there for a few weeks. And it, it actually says they traveled all the way from Thessalonica to continue to persecute him all the way over in Berea. And that's a whole day's journey on foot. Like, can you imagine how much they wanted to get him? They wanted to persecute him. Like, I think for me in my modern society, like, I'm like, oh, man, I really got a bone to pick with that brother. And, man, he's all the way over there. I just, uh, I'll just get on Facebook and like message him, <laughs> you know, so trust me, this persecution was intense. And Paul came through teaching the good news, said Jesus died for you. And guess what? He's coming back. That was part of his good news. Jesus is coming back. That was part of his motivation for them. Then persecution comes down. They, to make a Star Wars reference, they got this new hope and then the empire strikes back. But it's very, very serious. They're saying, Paul, my aunt died. Uh, Paul, my brothers and my sisters, they're laying their lives down. You told us Jesus was going to come back. Where is he? You told us we we're going to have this closeness with him. We're going to be reunited. Where is he? And this is Paul's response to encourage him on how to be close with God. Pick it up in verse 1, 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another 
and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. You know, Paul's encouragement to them was, yes, Jesus is coming back, but we don't know the times and places. He's coming back soon, but we don't know the times. So be alert. And, and yes, you've had the light of the gospel shed on you. You're walking in the light. But walk soberly. That's important too. Not just to be out of the darkness, but to walk soberly. And guys, that, that's where we have to be at today. It, we have to walk soberly, not, not drunkenly, you know, blurring the lines and forgetting, you know, am I in the light or the darkness? But no, we're in the light and Jesus is coming back. He, he could come back before Maddie and I finish this sermon. And so how does that change our lives? How do we respond to that? Well, it changes the way we live. It changes our relationships with one another. I, I want to make sure I forgive my brothers and sisters before Jesus comes back. I, I want to make sure I build up the family of God before Jesus comes back. I want to be out sharing my faith. But you know, there's been times in my life where I forgot that, where I'm stumbling, where I don't have my sobriety, even, even where I was faking it, faking it to the point of... Um, Struggling with pride, saying, hey, I come to church every week, so I'm, I must be religious, I must be fine. And I'd say I wasn't walking soberly at that time. There were weeks in my Christian life where, where I'd be hand-in-hand uh, in, hand in prayer on a Sunday morning, but a Monday night struggling, with, uh, struggling on the internet with impurity. That's not walking soberly in the light. It, you know, I, I love how it says, actually back up there, which verse is it? Uh, We'll be saying peace and safety, but destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. You know, it makes me think of Melissa. It makes me think of, uh, you know, Maddie was going to do this photography gig up in Portland. She's going to photograph a birth. And we planned, yes, call us when the labor starts, and then we'll, we'll race on up there. And did I say that right? You're laughing. Okay. Um, and, and they said, nope, it came at 2 in the morning. We almost had it in the car. It didn't work out. It, you know, we think we can determine these, these due dates, and we think peace and safety, don't worry about it, but there's not a real peace and safety. Don't have a false sense of security about it. And, and Paul gives them this great defense against the persecution, uh, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Faith in God, that closeness to God, love for the lost, and a hope in your salvation. I think that hope in your salvation is big where you do have to take a sober look at how you're walking in the light. And guys, you know, that's what gets me so fired up about Bend, Oregon and house churches all over Oregon, being a part of this movement. It, it got me excited when I first started coming to church and Kelly describes it as this, uh, all you need is faith and you get on this train and we're going to evangelize <laughs> Oregon. It, it's leaving the station. We're holding on to the caboose. You know, God's doing it. Amen. We're just trying to hang on. Right. What? I wasn't going to do it, no. <laughs> uh, you can do it. Kelly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But, you know, we could all baptize 100 people in this room, and it's still not a drop in the bucket for evangelizing Oregon. But it, it is a drop in the bucket. In fact, it's a tidal wave if we're all multiplying, if we're multiplying house churches, if in a couple of years we plant Salem, if Florence comes out on the coast, if Ben says, okay, now what about Redmond and these other places in eastern and central Oregon? That's more than a drop in the bucket. That's Jesus' plan. That's the hope and salvation to encourage us in these times. All right. Yeah, funny. Yep. Um, so I really like in verse eight it says, "But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith 
and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. I think that this is really powerful because we all, we're talking about something that we feel called to do, but we all feel called to do different things in our life. Not everyone has to do the exact same path of, you have to be in ministry and plant a church and that's how you no, that's not true. Everyone has a different path in their life. And so what mission do you feel God calling you to? Um, is it a person in your life that you feel called to reach out to and to love and to serve? Is it a special ministry? Is it service in the community? Is it a specific place that you want to go and visit short term or long term? Everyone has unique visions. Um, Something that I love is how when people really own it and they go for it. We have this preteen ministry that's been started because of Victoria and Abby and Britta and yeah. sisters that love our preteens and want to get something going. I mean, if it wasn't for that, I would not be here. Stacy, wherever she is, would not be here. Alex wouldn't be here. A lot of us would not be here today if it wasn't for preteen ministries that loved us. Um, we have these deep roots groups for our marriage ministry to just be open with each other and get counseling with each other. And we have a conqueror series for men's purity, I think, which I think is amazing. Um, Rocky and I are going to be starting a grief counseling ministry soon. Like there's so many different unique things that we can all be a part of. And we each have unique missions in our life that God calls us to. Amen. So what is the mission that you feel this Holy Spirit calling you to? Um, and don't ignore even the smallest dream. What something that may feel so small to you and insignificant can mean life or death and spiritual life or death for other people. And don't, in the same way, don't ignore the dreams that seem impossibly big. Like that could never happen. I could never do that. We're too small. I'm too small. I don't have the money, whatever. Don't ignore those dreams because they're possible with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the theme, knowing God. Part of knowing God is that Jesus is coming back. But, but don't take that as a scare tactic for disciples. That, that's great news for us. Uh, you don't have to pay rent if Jesus comes back. You know, you can just be in heaven. You don't have to keep, you know, that, that's awesome news. Now, in a healthy way, you have to look at it like that. You know, it's not, it's not peace and safety. This is awesome news, but it's awesome news. So let's try to obtain that peace and safety for one another. Um, I, I just didn't want anyone to think, I, you know, I'm telling, I'm, putting the fear of the Lord into you right there. It's, uh, it is something that's good news. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow. Well, continuing on here. You know, uh, we're going to go into verses 12 through 22 of 1 Thessalonians 5. But sorry to tell, when I was little, uh, I did a strange, uh, it was shameful, this story. But uh, I declared to everyone, I said, you're going to call me Farmer Joe from now on. And it was so bad, so now I said, no, I'm going to be called Joey the rest of my life. But um, I, uh, so my uncle had a farm, and this was first, second grade, and I was this uh, little goody-two-shoes kid. I would always have a comb over. I I'd look something like this, probably, but like every single day and, uh, as a like, first grader. So, yeah, so, so something's wrong there, you know. And, uh, uh, but at the same time, my uncle worked on this farm, and I said, yeah, I want to be Farmer Joe, because it was like, I go out there, and I, you know, I, you know, I'm the kid picking up the, like, little water bucket and, like, a little bit of water, and it's like, look at this huge thing I can harvest, when really I didn't put in any of that work, you know. And I remember one Sunday, I was wearing these navy blue pants and a white button-up shirt, and uh, I was super excited, I was going to go help on the farm, and, uh, I run over there and my uncle's shoveling dirt and, um, it, you know, it's wet and it's uh, all this stuff. And I said, oh, I really want to help. And he said, well, you know, go change and go change and get ready, then come back because you don't want to get your Sunday clothes dirty. 
I said, oh, no, it's okay. I, I can work in these clothes. And I started to kind of, I don't want to use the word daintily, but carefully, you know, like <laughs> excavating the dirt. <laughs> and, um, and so he looked at me and he took a big shovel full and he just threw it straight at me, almost knocked me over, got in my eyes. And, um, and then I ran off crying. <laughs> I was like, I, was like oh, I want to be a farmer. Now I'm never going to be a farmer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, it just it hit me back in the right direction. I came back. I became a wonderful farmer, I hope. <laughs> but God was teaching me something right there that you can't fake it. And you have to be ready for the work. Something uh, Cal Florin actually clued me in on the other day is that God will never bless the person you pretend to be. I think it really hits that theme in these scriptures. Verse 12, 1 Thessalonians 5. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Now remember, a little bit of more context, Paul could only be in Thessalonica for a few short weeks, and then he passed on. This is one of the very first New Testament letters that he's writing back to them. Uh, but he, doesn't, he hasn't seen how they've lived their lives. He's not sure who's still there, who's fallen away. This is why later on he sends Timothy back to the area to appoint elders. Because then he can see their life. He can learn who they are and give them these titles. But Paul's not handing out titles here. He's not saying, hey, look at the leader. He's saying, hey, whoever has this character, honor these people. Wh whoever's working hard among you, that's your leader. And, and, you know, we really have to celebrate those heroes of faith even in this room. When I think of hard workers, I actually think of Cheryl Boyd working as a doctor. I, I think of Ann Hackett. She's always um, offered, she offered to clean out my car the other day. Um, <laughs> that is some hard work that can be modeled, that can be imitated. To be honest, you can tell me anything and I want to honor you because <laughs> It, it, it's hard to be a disciple for 10 plus years. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Yeah, okay. Just making sure. All right. You know, one pitfall in this is when we begin working hard and all of a sudden, and I'm just going to speak for myself. I, I've worked hard before and then all of a sudden I get entitled and I think I'm a hard worker. In fact, I might throw out the, these fake titles when, I, when I'm feeling this fake and this self-righteous and this judgy of other people. And I might say things like, well, I'm sold out. Well, I'm totally committed. Well, I'm a true disciple. And, and that person, they weren't here that morning last Sunday, so they must not be as committed as me. So they, they're just not totally committed. But that's, that's a lie. That's not true. That's me being self-righteous. What the scriptures say is to encourage the disheartened, help the weak. So if I'm truly, totally committed, then I'm not going to have that entitlement at all. In fact, to be totally committed is to bear in their burdens, to lift them up, to pick up their load, to help the weak. It doesn't mean they're less committed than you are. It just means they're weak, and you need to love them. We need to love each other. It, you know, weak, the term right there, it's a, it's a comparison. Or at least I have to tell myself, because in the past sometimes I'd show up and say this is a favor. I'm doing a favor for somebody for this Bible talk, and I'm putting in this work. That's not the right attitude to have. That's not even a committed attitude. Actually, the person who's trying their best and couldn't make it to that service, they may even be more committed than you are while you're sitting there and judging them. So, so just remember that in encouraging the weak. Honey? Um, 
going to read the next little chunk after that um, in verse 15 of 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. So I really like this when it talks about praying continually. Um, first of all, because we all need that. But um, I think a lot of us, and I've said this in the past, is I'm praying to know what God's will is. I'm, I want to know God's will. I'm praying to know what he wants me to do. Um, but God's will is really laid clear in the scriptures. When we obey, we know God's will. What we're praying, what we need to be praying to have is a willing heart to do God's will. Um, so when when we feel that calling, when we we all get, we everyone who has the Holy Spirit, and even those who don't, we feel God moving us in certain directions. So are you listening? Do you are you trying to listen to the Holy Spirit's gentle whisper? I love and. Um, when Elijah feels that, the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit moving him. He's not in the fire and in the rain. You know, sometimes it's not as this clear, like, move here because I'm obviously doing all these things. Sometimes it's a gentle whisper in our heart of, hey, that person is hurting. They need some help. Hey, there's this need. Like, preteens, we really need a Bible talk or something for you guys to just love each other and get to know God. Um, so are you listening to that spirit in your heart? Amen. And with that... That says very clearly, do not quench the spirit. It means do not ignore that spirit and do not treat prophecies with contempt. When you have this, those visions of, I have this dream, I could totally see this happening, this would be amazing. And when we reject those prophecies, we're rejecting God in that. So how do we, but it says, um, test them all. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them. So it's not that every emotion is from God and we need to follow follow our hearts with everything that we feel. Can I throw something? Yeah. All right. Yeah, we skipped over uh, verse 15 right there before Maddie ends us out with, with that thought of not having contempt and actually respecting the scriptures. Um, so I want to hit that verse 15. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Doing good for one another, you know, that... It gets me fired up about the Bend Mission team. It gets me fired up about everybody in this room. Because I'm always looking around and I'm seeing them do good for each other. And, and when I see disciples doing good for one another, I think they must be close to God. They must know God. There must be something empowering them to be giving when they come to a meeting of the body. And I see the evidence of that, even in Victoria's smile right now. <laughs> um, and I think about the mission team. I think of... You know, being willing to move across the country to make disciples in Bend, Oregon. Daniel and I would share on campus all the time, and we run into people that say, yeah, I've, you know, I've read my Bible cover to cover. We go, Bro, that's awesome. What church do you go to? Oh, I haven't been to church since I, since I moved here. Okay, okay, well, you want to come to Bible talk? No, I'm too busy. The truth is, there's, there's a lot of people who know the Bible better than me. It, there's probably a dozen people that have had longer prayers and longer quiet times than some disciples in this room, but that's okay. And, and more important than just reading the Bible cover to cover is obeying it. That's what gets me fired up about the mission team for Bend, Oregon. They may not know their Bibles from cover to cover, but I know they're obeying God when they're moving across the country to go and make disciples. And I feel close to God when I'm obeying him. I think that brings us into knowing God and feeling close with him is that obedience. 
Amen. Yeah, yes, sir. So um, I'm just going to read real quick in Romans 12 about how do we test what is the spirit and what is not. Um, So in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this is where the praying continually comes in. In order for our mind to be transformed and to know what his good and pleasing, perfect will is, we have to be in continual prayer. So when you feel called to do something, a great test for that of, is this God or is this just kind of my emotion in it? Is Does it call you to live sacrificially? to be more sacrificial than maybe you currently already are doing. If it's giving up an extra night of your week to put on a Conquer series, or if it's whatever, I don't know, it's different for everyone. But if it's calling you to be more sacrificial, then it's most likely from the Holy Spirit. But if it's calling you to take a step back, to be less sacrificial, to, as Kelly puts it, sit on on the Christian couch and be a little bit easier, then it may not be from the Holy Spirit. Just putting that out there. Um, It may still be. It may still be. We all have different needs in our life. But if it calls you to be more sacrificial, it is most likely from the Spirit. So we need to be continually in prayer to have a transformed mind and a heart that's willing to do God's will. And along the way, God promises to be with us. Verse 16, rejoice always. Again, remember the persecution they were having right there. Their family is dying. And yet Paul says to rejoice always. I think of Psalms 84.10 when it says one day, you know, in his courts is better than a thousand in the tents of the wicked. And guys, one day in the kingdom of God is better than a thousand days in the world. That's why he's saying rejoice always. I'd rather have a hundred problems in the kingdom than one problem in the world. That's the heart that he's giving them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just our last thing that we like to share is in uh, Mark chapter 16, Rocky shared this at midweek a few weeks ago, and it was incredibly convicting for my heart um, because I can be very faithless um, and a cynic a lot. So in uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 14, it says, Later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe that those who, had, those who had sent him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. So, and we also, a lot of us know that Matthew 28, I will be with you to the end of the ages. So do we believe that God is with us? And are we willing to go with faith in the direction that God is calling us? Are we broken if we have an unbelief or a stubborn unbelief or a lack of faith? I've been feel like I've been struggling with faithlessness a lot this week, especially with our finances, which is really crazy with everything else that's going on. But I've been really struggling with this. So this scripture is always a really deep, convicting thing for me because that's what Jesus appeared to the 11 to say, like, believe, have faith. Um, And something that Victoria shared with me recently was the couple that led her India uh, mission trip that said that When you walk with purpose and you live with purpose, God will always provide the resources. Mm -hmm. So if you have that vision and you walk with purpose, God will provide what you need to complete it. And Psalm 16, 8 says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. So I just want to encourage anybody who feels that they have a vision like that to pray for a renewed mind and a willing heart and to share your dream with someone else who could help you create that into reality. Amen. Let's go to him in prayer. Oh, Father God, I... 
Thanks for listening to the Bend ICOC podcast.